Today's program was brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to another episode of Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. It is mid-June already. Um, That means summer for some of you and end-of-semester crazy time for others. Wherever you are on your school schedule, we're so pleased you could join us, as always. And I am your host, Laura Stanley. Today we are returning to San Francisco United, uh, I'm sorry, San Francisco Unified School District. Um, Some of you will remember that we made our first visit there um, almost exactly a year ago for what is still one of my favorite episodes of Inside School Food. We call that episode Garbage is a Terrible Thing to Waste, and it featured the district as the national leader in the recycling and composting of lunchroom trash. And so today, hold on to that word pioneering, because San Francisco Unified is now emerging as the national leader in the redesign of the traditional school cafeteria, or or I should say the reconceptualization of the entire school dining experience. Um, The district has teamed up with IDEO, that's I-D-E-O, a global design firm with offices and a wide spectrum of clients across North America, Western Europe, and East and South. Southeast Asia. Uh, A recent survey of business leaders by the Boston Consulting Group ranked IDEO as one of the most innovative companies in the world. Um, And on IDEO's About Us page, naturally, they say a lot of riveting things about their mission. But for today's conversation, I'm I'm going to single out just this one statement. Um, It says, we identify new ways to serve and support people by uncovering latent needs, behaviors, and desires. I'll say that again. We identify new ways to serve and support people by uncovering latent needs, behaviors, and desires. So with us today to help us understand what this means and especially what it might mean for school food are Zeta Riker, who is Director of Nutrition at San Francisco Unified, and Angie McKee, who is Project Manager for San Francisco Unified's Future Dining Experience. Um, Both are deeply involved in the district's partnership with IDEO. Um, Zeta was actually embedded with the company during the five months it took to create the 104-page manifesto and blueprint that we're going to talk about today. Um, Zeta has been working in food systems for 10 years, including the last five years at San Francisco Unified. Angie is um, a graduate of New York University's master's program in food studies. Um, Before joining San Francisco Unified, she served as sales strategy manager at San Francisco's La Cucina, which is a kitchen incubator for beginner women food entrepreneurs. So Zeta and Angie, it's so great to have you with us today. Welcome. Thank Good you. morning, Laura. 
Thank you for having us. Uh, my, our pleasure. Um, we're we're only getting started here, but we're, <laughs> I feel like we're already deep into territory that pro- probably sounds kind of far out for many of our listeners. Um, Zeta, maybe we should start with like, how did SFU get itself involved with such a worldly and cutting edge project, man- you know, partner in in the first place? Uh, it's been an amazing journey. Um, San Francisco Unified, as you mentioned, um, we're very proud of the work that we've done over the past decade. And we have worked very hard to be um, out in front. And, you know, for example, we had a wellness policy um, even before the federal mandate came down. Um, we had made a lot of changes to our department and um, looking at issues of um, food justice and equity, and yet we had still gotten, we had still, we still had issues mm-hmm. that we were trying to address. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to take a step back and look at, you know, where, where we wanted to take the department and for, the, you know, the next decade, for the next generation. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to design a food system and a meal program that was reflective of the values in our community. Mm-hmm. So we were very lucky to partner up with the Sarah and Evan Williams Foundation, mm-hmm. and they gave us a grant to do, um, to develop a, a vision and strategic plan. And in those conversations of, you know, having them learn about what we were trying to do and the history and the context of, of um, the district, the Williams said, hey, you know, have you ever considered taking a design thinking approach and working with IDEO? Mm-hmm. And we thought, hmm, okay, this is, this is a little different than, than, you know, we were planning, but, um, but let's, let's, let's go for it. Let's see what where it takes us. And we were very fortunate to have a five-month engagement with IDEO. Which is so unusual in the world of school food. And, and, and I should add that the Sarah and Evan Williams Foundation is, you know, they, they as a San Francisco-based foundation, have a strong interest in design-based solutions. So, you're, you know, and being in San Francisco, this is kind of fertile ground for thinking about things this way. Um, and, and this is, and I mentioned that Angie is project manager for the um, SFU Future Dining experience. So that's that's the kind of effort, as, as it's called, that's funded by the foundation, correct? Yes. Yeah, so the future dining experience is the is what we named the, the vision mm-hmm. and the overall approach of, of what we are driving towards now. Right, right. So I, I've spent some hours poring over the document I just referred to, which you guys call the book. Um, and maybe Angie, maybe this, you could jump in. Tell us a little bit about you know, the experience of the book. What, what's in there? Sure. So the SFUSD's Future Dining Experience book, it essentially is a roadmap to the change that's happening within the school food experience within SFUSD. And inside the book, you'll find 10 design recommendations that go anywhere from smart meal technology to space renovations to thinking about a centralized warehouse and regional kitchens mm-hmm. um, that essentially help to reimagine the school food experience within SFUSD. Mm-hmm. And, and I should say that it's, it's got this, it's not like any other 
planning document I've ever seen. It has this striking mix of text and visuals and infographics that are used to deliver not just to deliver information, but to kind of excite the imagination. It's it's a little overwhelming at first because in 104 pages, there's so much packed in there. And I think so much is packed in with the help of all the visuals. And it's also overwhelming because it's just so beautiful. It's it's really just a, a great, a great uh, accomplishment. Um, so close to the beginning of the book, um, it describes four core goals or values, as you call them. And everything about the Future Dining Experience Project emerges from these values. So maybe we should name them and say what we mean. I don't, I don't know which of you want to start with this. Zeta, you want to? You want to? Um, well, this actually, one? I did want to just jump in for yeah. just a second in the sense that, so the book, while it is very, very beautiful, mm-hmm. and we were very fortunate to have um, this tool to be able to communicate um, beyond just using words. Mm-hmm. But what, what was really nice was that we not only had these design elements, but we also had a very robust financial model mm-hmm. that was underlying all of the recommendations and the work. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously it's not possible to put all of the, the nitty gritty financial modeling into the book, but um, it is something that uh, the book is based off of, and all the recommendations have they were um, deeply vetted financial models that went along with it right and and, and so much of the financial information is articulated in the book, so you know you, yes. you get a sense of how it 's grounded looking through it um, so let 's talk about the values do you, do you want to start with that angie there 's four sure. of them so the four centered student centered values that we 're focusing on through this book are having our students' senses stimulated. Mm-hmm. Um, we want our students to feel valued. Um, we want them to feel connected to the food, and we want them to feel as though they're having an active voice mm-hmm. and um, really being able to contribute to the experience. Right. All right. And so that's pretty straightforward. And, and, and these are goals that are widely shared among school root food reformers. I, I'd say that most of the guests who have appeared on this show have talked about these same goals or projects that advance these goals in one way or another. Um, But, you know, for me, spending time surfing through your book, really, I I feel it can help people understand um, piecemeal improvements as part of something much bigger. It's a way to kind of see innovations like school gardens and student recipe competitions and student design food trucks as part of what you, Angie, has described to me as as a paradigm shift. Do you want to, you know, elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. I actually think Zeta would be really wonderful in talking about the paradigm shift. That's okay. Go for it. SFUSD. Sure. So <clears throat> again, we took these four values that yes are definitely you know uh, can be seen in other districts with, with other student and their own communities. Um, but SFUSD, our vision is really taking you know our meal program at the time was sort of a Mm one-size-fits-all. And so we had turned this feature dining experience vision into three separate experiences. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, looking at how those different values play out in, you know, say an elementary lunchroom versus a high school. So, for example, you know, students want to feel connected to food. In elementaries, they want to know, you know, where does this carrot come from? How does it grow? Um, But if you take that and compare it to a high school student, 
they want to meet the chef that has mm-hmm. prepared that carrot and they want to know how to run a you know a, a restaurant or how do you manage the finances to you know serve that carrot it's it's a different the the values are manifested in a different way mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so you know if we now approach each age group and each developmental stage very intentionally in that how those values manifest and what are the needs of those of the students and mm-hmm. how can our meal program align to meet those needs right and and, and you know after station break I, i'd like you both to really unpack what you're talking about there zeta um in in terms of the the very different approaches for the three levels um because it's just fascinating but before we go there I, i'd like to kind of establish a little bit about the process that san francisco unified and audio engaged in during the time you were creating the book. Um, Zeta, I'm assuming this was the first time that Audio ever worked with a K-12 through client? Um, you know, Laura, I'm not sure about that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm pretty sure that it was one of the largest yeah. um, engagements, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a really great ride. It was really just, it was so nice to be able to have that kind of space to be able to to be able to really dream and mm-hmm. not first start with the constraints of the facilities of contracts of budgets of of um, you know all all of the things that that school food um, uh, workers are, are and departments are dealing with yeah and yeah. really just look at what the students are wanting and what they're what they're needing and um, we did things like uh, pretty extensive photo voice where mm-hmm. we had um, students take they had to answer questions through pictures mm-hmm. and we sent out uh, a couple hundred cameras and students could email in um, and text photos and things like that I mean even just that that was just one activity that we did during this five week engagement that was it was just really eye-opening to see what the students were interested in and what was what they were engaging in with food and around food and what it meant to them. I mean, you you involved more than thirteen hundred people um, in this planning, and and I, a big chunk of them were were students. Um, what were some of the other things you asked students to do to help you come up with your vision? Well, we asked students, so we, we started very broad, and we did things like the photo voice. We did oh, with a lot of observations, a lot of site visits, a lot of sitting down and talking to students. And then we moved more into the design phase mm-hmm. where, you know, brainstorming concepts, and then we had workshops mm-hmm. where we had um, sessions where we got feedback and talked it through of how it would work and the details and then moving into where we actually prototyped. And we took a kitchen during and a dining space during the summer, and we actually did dry runs of the concepts mm-hmm. that were being designed around. And we, we actually involved the um, student nutrition staff, too, which is super important. You've mm-hmm. got to involve your staff in the process, otherwise they're not going to be bought in. So we actually did workshops with students and our cafeteria staff. And so talking to them and saying, well, what do you think about this? How does this work? Um, How does this feel? 
did you feel like you had enough time for this? Would you, how would you make it better? How would you, you know, change it? And so we did that with, um, over a couple week period as well, the prototyping. Right. Right. And that's, that's a pretty complicated process to involve that many people um, and really, really take in what, what they have to say to you. So um, that's, that's exciting. Um, we're going to take a quick station break now. And as I said earlier, when we come back, I'd love to hear about some of the very specific changes in environment and practice that are proposed in the book. Um, you're listening to Inside School Food. Today's conversation is about San Francisco Unified School D- uh, District's vision for a rapid different dining experience at school that is based on human-centered design innovation. I'm Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets. I've devoted my idiot career to the old ways, the old recipes, the old tools, the old geography of where serious foods come from for centuries. And I've strived to make these wonderful things available to New Yorkers for 37 years. So it's a fait accompli for us to support Heritage Radio Network. And I hope you will too, and I hope you'll keep tuning in. For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com. Welcome back to Inside School Food. Our guests today are Zeta Riker, Director of Nutrition at San Francisco Unified School District, and Angie McKee, who is Project Manager for the San Francisco Unified Future Dining Experience. So, um, Angie and Zeta, in my first pass through your book, um, what I latched onto most readily were its concrete recommendations for change in the dining experience of the elementary, middle, and high school students. Um, And once I'd read through them and studied the pictures, the thinking behind them started to really coalesce for me. So, So maybe you can help listeners visualize what's there. Um, do you want us, you know, how about we start with what, what what's being proposed for the elementary school dining room? I don't know which one of you wants to take that. Um, I can take it. Okay. This is Zetta. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for the elementary, we, um, the experience that we're going for is a shared lunchroom. Mm-hmm. And it, an elementary school that engages learners in food through routines and ritual, uh, especially focusing around communal dining. And this is really where we found that, you know, again, the developmental needs of elementary students, they liked, they, they craved the need for ritual and routine 
and learning learning about food, being exposed to it. Um, oftentimes, you know, some of the fruits and vegetables and the, the flavors that we're serving them are new. So, you know, creating an environment where that is supported. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, so one of the things that is pretty radical and very beautiful in my idea is the notion that kids sit down instead of going through the line they sit down and the food is served to them in courses is that right correct that was the that is the experience that through the prototyping that the students felt it, it really um had a very positive experience. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is that right now, currently in our elementary schools, the pressure to go through the line as fast as possible, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, there's incredible pressure for them to just be quick, 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 quick. And oftentimes the students would come through the lunch line, and even though now with the new regulations, um, well, not so new anymore, but <clears throat> they are required to take a fruit or a vegetable, um, it's still, you know, that split second in the line and, and making the decision on am I going to try this new vegetable or not, mm-hmm. often they, you know, bypass it or the the amount of time to eat is is, is so limited that mm-hmm. they they just don't it's not supportive and in a way for them to actually take time and have connection with the food and therefore more likely to to consume it. I, yeah, I think we forget how small they are and how hard it is at that age to make those kind of decisions, especially quickly, um, and especially if the choices are unfamiliar. Uh, and when you talked about communal um, eating, I just want to mention that that's one of the primary design recommendations of the 10 that, that Angie mentioned. It, it seemed to me in, in looking through the um, recommendations for the elementary um, dining environment that, that some of the so many of the practices remind me of elementary school dining protocol in France and Japan. You know, in both these countries the school dining room is a place where children learn not just how to eat healthy, but to, you know, absorb cultural practices that create community at the table. Um, and you said you have piloted this and it went well, yes? Well, we haven't we prototyped it. Okay. And in the sense that we did it during the summer and we 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 tested it out. We did a dry run, mm-hmm. and the both with our with a group of elementary students, our staff, and as well as adults as well. And that was another thing that we found that was so key for the elementary experience was what role the adults in the room are playing, mm-hmm. and having them engaged, having them encourage students to try new things, sitting down with them, and and talking with them, and again, touching on that building community, bringing students together. Um, We have 44 different languages that are spoken, 44 different flavor profiles. You know, we're very proud of our extremely diverse student background, Mm -hmm. um, backgrounds, and so, yes, it's very important to us to bring all the students together in a way um, that's that's kind of level-setting in that sense. Mm 
so, <clears throat> and we really feel, especially when we did the prototyping, the students really um, responded very well to it. Yeah, it's it's a really beautiful idea. So, and then and then we go to middle school. Uh, things change pretty dramatically with the middle school design. There's a lot more independence and um, an emphasis on student control of the setting. Um, um, which one of you want? Yeah, Angie, you want to take this one on? Sure. So the middle school and high school experience are actually very similar. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to see the bigger change from elementary school to middle school in terms of the experiences. Mm -hmm. And in middle school, excuse me, we're essentially providing a lunchroom where the students feel as though they can participate in the experience and have choice. So the design is focused on providing a space that has a variety of options. So Mm -hmm thinking about where you sit. So you walk in and you no longer have to sit at a long A-frame table. You can choose to go sit on the couch or sit at a round table and play cards with your friends or go outside and sit and eat lunch in the sun. And so as soon as the students walk into the space, they have the ability to choose their experience for their meal period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, we're also looking at the way that students are being served during the lunch period as well. So you have your classic lunch line, but then we also have things like pickup windows and mobile carts and full mill vending machines. Mm-hmm. So it, that whole experience, you know, the lunch lines become shorter because the line is spread out and dispersed throughout the cafeteria and throughout the school. Mm-hmm. And so there's more time to actually come into the cafeteria, get a great meal, and then sit down and take a break. Right. And, and the introduction of these vending machines and mobile carts is also one of the book's 10 main design recommendations. Um, Angie, you, you told me that the furniture um, is on wheels so kids can reconfigure it um, and, that, and that there is sort of an, a regular, um, what, you know, reconfiguring of the space um, by the kids. Uh, every Is it every year? Yes. So... Everything is movable, and mm-hmm. we want it to, to be very accessible to the students and staff mm-hmm. to be able to utilize the space in essentially two different design modes. So you have your lunchtime experience, and then you have your after-school experience, um, which really utilize the space in very different ways. Mm-hmm. And the furniture has been selected in order to be able to reimagine the space to fit those experiences. In addition, we put everything on wheels, so that way if the students during lunch want to you know, push two tables together and make a bigger group, space or if they wanted to move the couches around to kind of change the look and feel, mm-hmm. they could do that during the lunch period. And then we also encourage the school staff to reimagine the space at least once a year in order to kind of refresh it, yeah. you know, spring cleaning, if you may. Uh, so that way it still feels new and engaging to the students. Really. And, you know, the, the, the very different approach between the elementary and the middle school um, you know, it really speaks to the difference between early childhood and emerging adolescence. It's very, very sensitive to that. Um, it's quite exciting. And then the middle school setup prepares kids for the, what's really a very adult environment um, that you're proposing for the high school. Um, and as with the elementary school design, things are pretty radical here. Um, Zeta, you want to take this on? Like, first of all, you know, when the kids step in, what's it, what's it going to look like? Sure. So at the high school, yes, it's, it is, we did find in our research that oftentimes high school students really want a lot of the same things that adults do as well. Uh, many of our students are dealing with very adult issues such as managing their own money. Uh, a lot of times they're going home and they're not, um, they're making their own meals. Mm-hmm. So they're really wanting to know more about food and what it's doing to their bodies and 
Uh, they're also very busy. Many of them are very overbooked in the mm-hmm. sense that they don't have a lot of time during lunch. Uh, many of them are working after school. So, you know, choice and convenience was a, a very strong value for them. Mm-hmm. And also the role of technology mm-hmm. and being able to um, engage with the meal program through technology. And that's where the smart meal tech recommendation came in. Um, yeah, what, so what does again, that mean? Like, what, what, like what, what's, what is an example of smart meal technology in the high school setting? So the smart meal technology, and that is one of the 10 design recommendations, mm-hmm. is how might we use technology to both engage with the students and give them an active voice and control over their meal program, but also provide a way for student nutrition services to be able to get um, more real-time information from the students. Mm-hmm. So their their dietary preferences, um, uh, pre-ordering, um, knowing you know what's on the menu that day. So having a closer connection to them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and seeing how technology can influence their participation, and as well as also developing healthy habits that will carry them into adulthood. Mm -hmm. So being able to track, you know, did they try that new vegetable that was on the menu today? You know, how many times in a year did they try it? Um, Those sorts of things. And is that, uh, is that you, 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 um, the book talks about something called rewards cards for the high school kids. Is, is that what those accomplish? Yeah. So, um, it does tie, the reward system does tie in with the smart meal tech Mm -hmm. in that, the and this came out quite a bit in the research as well that students really like the concept of you know nowadays you know the apps that have badges or um, yes rewards such as getting school swag mm-hmm. or other sorts of things like that they were very um, responsive to that concept interesting um, and then and then the actual environment is is like the middle school except more like there's more points of sale. Um, and and there's even a proposal for a cart or carts that that are you know special um, contributions by local chefs as kind of a oh I don't know special this week kind of a thing. Can you tell us about that? Well, the, that concept came around in that we the students, especially high school, they wanted to have connections to more of the local community, the restaurant community, mm-hmm. and also that they wanted to be able to have choice and variety. Mm-hmm. And you know, so there was this. Um, the vision is that you know while we can't have these specialty items every day, it would be something that we could do or feature, say, once a month or a couple times a semester to keep things fresh and engaging and, um, you know, just a special touch point with the, the students showing that, that we care and we, yeah. we want to engage them. Right, and it's, and it's a really neat way to engage, um, you know, chefs in the school community, which is something we're all interested in doing. And this is this is... Uh, an idea I hadn't heard about yet. It's very, it's very nifty. Um, I, I think with your high school plan, especially, I get what IDEO means by serving and supporting people by uncovering latent needs, behaviors, and desires. I mean, you've really, you've really looked deep into the heart of these kids to come up with designs that that do that. 
Um, so there, there's lots more, I mean, tons more in the book that we're not getting to today, including, as um, Zeta mentioned, some information about how over time this is meant to be financed, because, of course, it's very ambitious. Um, it, it, Zeta, it's, it's a grand, grand vision. Um, and you have complained to me that the media tends to lead people to believe that this magnificent redesign is actually complete. I mean, where are you really in the process? Sure. Yeah. I mean, those of my colleagues that work in in school food know that, you know, sometimes things move very quickly, but Mm -hmm. oftentimes they they do move slowly because we are a large institution that, you know, it does sometimes take time to to do implement these changes. Mm -hmm. So for the past two years, we have really, the first year, once we finished this vision, was gathering resources and um, to and, and building the infrastructure to even begin to implement these changes. Um, you know, as my as I mentioned before, my colleagues will understand in the sense that we're kind of flying while designing. Sure. We are, you know, we're running a program. Mm-hmm. You know, the every just the everyday running of the program is a lot of work and a large responsibility. So to be adding the layer of evolving and. Um, implementing these changes required additional resources. Mm-hmm. So we spent really the first year gathering those resources, hiring staff, bringing on Angie, and making plans for how we were going to start implementing the roadmap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then this last school year, we actually started implementing um, some of the design recommendations. So you do have schools where there are dining environments that are, you know, that look like what's in the book, right? Sure, and I'll actually let Angie um, talk about that. Mm-hmm. We have started with the with the middle and highs mm-hmm. first, so I'll let um, Angie speak a little bit about that the process for the last year. Sure, sure. So we do have two schools that are currently redesigned: a middle school and a high school, and we're currently working on three additional mm-hmm. school sites. So two additional middle schools and one additional high school that'll open in August with the updated spaces, so Mm -hmm. the complete space renovations, meaning the furniture, wall graphics, um, and then also the distributed points of sale, so thinking about mobile carts and vending machines within the space. So we do have some active pilots going on right now, um, Mm -hmm. which we're learning from, and it was actually a really wonderful experience in terms of launching the middle school and learning from it and iterating on the process, and then when we went to the high school experience, we actually began to re-engage the students in the process. So, you know, we had the students involved in the designing of the book, and Mm -hmm. then we realized we needed to have them involved in the actual design of the space as well um, when we began to activate the pilots. And so during the high school experience, we actually had the students participate in an assortment of workshops. They went out to a furniture company and did a whole design session. Uh, We had them, you know, go out to a food warehouse to see how food is, you know, put together and brought into the system. Mm -hmm. And then we also um, engaged them in menu planning workshops where they got to develop recipes for the lunchroom. Wow. Yeah. So they essentially were involved in the entire process and really helped us understand the different types of furniture options they wanted, the different types of meal experiences they wanted. And so when we launched at Thurgood Marshall High School, Mm -hmm. it was a really wonderful, complete, well-rounded experience. And the students, you know, really could take ownership of the space because they really created the space. Yeah. And that's what we hope to do going forward for each site. 
Very exciting. Um, and, and Angie, you also mentioned to me that um, USDA is funding research to assess the impact of these changes as you make them. Can you quickly tell us, you know, who, who's doing the research and, and what are they looking for? Sure. So we recently received a grant from the USDA um, through the University of California at Berkeley mm-hmm. uh, to study the impact of the smart mill technology and the distributed points of sale, as well as kind of the learning layer aspect of you know educating our staff and teachers about healthy options. Mm-hmm. And so UC Berkeley has already completed the first phase of the research process in the sense that they've come into 24 of our school sites, uh, middle schools and high schools, and did plate waste studies. Mm -hmm. And then they've also done pretty extensive surveying of students in those schools as well, Mm -hmm. with the idea that we're going to track those students and their experiences and their, you know, health and habits over the next five years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have your control control schools, but they're also looking at the the, the newly uh, redesigned environments, right? Yes, so we have 12 controls, um, excuse me, 12 control schools and then 12 um, study schools. Very and those 12, yeah. those 12 schools that are being studied are essentially are going to be receiving uh, the distributed points of sale, so full mill vending machines and mobile carts, as well as the space redesigns, mm-hmm. and then have access to the smart mill technology. Great, great. I- I'd love to circle back with you guys when you're ready to talk about research outcomes. I-, I think we're all really interested in the fact that USDA is interested in design-based solutions to challenges in school food. I mean, certainly the success of the Smarter Lunchroom movement is getting us all thinking in that direction. Um, we have been speaking with Zeta Riker and Angie McKee of the San Francisco Unified School District. Um, Zeta and Angie, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, listeners, I can't stress enough the value and beauty of the book that SFU and IDEO have created. Um, There's a link to it on today's show page on InsideSchoolFood.com, so do take a look. Um, You will be fascinated, delighted, and inspired, I promise. Um, You can also find today's episode on the website of our host station, HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And I know that many of you subscribe to the show via iTunes or Stitcher for easy listening off your mobile device. However you listen, please let us know by following Inside School Food on Twitter or Facebook or by signing up for our newsletter. It's a small thing you can do to help this show a lot. We really do need to know who is listening and our sponsors need to know also. Um, Tune in next week for a Child Nutrition Reauthorization 2015 walkthrough with Jacqueline Snyder, um, who is Senator uh, Debbie Stabenow's staff expert on this hugely important, hugely complicated bill. If you have questions for Jacqueline, um, send them to me this week via the contact page on InsideSchoolFood.com. I am Laura Stanley, and I look forward to welcoming you back. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. 
Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non-profit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.